as the children are going out, I want to invite you to have your Bibles ready, to have a Bible nearby you. There are some on the tables in the back. Espero que tengan una Biblia presente. It can be on your phone. That's fine as well. But we're going to be looking into um, our scripture right now. We are at the end, it's hard to believe, of a seven-week series on the Lord's Prayer, looking at the Lord's Prayer. Estamos terminando una serie sobre Padre Nuestro, and it's been quite a journey. And so what we're going to do today as we wrap up, we're going to read from Scripture the entire text of the Lord's Prayer as it comes to us in the Word of God. Vamos a leer todo el texto de Padre Nuestro como está en la Palabra de Dios. And of course, we've been looking at Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Mateo 6, del 9 al 13. We have page numbers up on, their, on the screen that will help you... Uh, Figure out where Matthew is if you're using those Bibles in the back. But it's the first book of the second half of the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew. And we must understand what's going on here. Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us how to pray. And so let's pay close attention. Prestemos atención. Jesús nos enseña a orar y dice, Ustedes deben orar así. Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre. Venga tu reino. Hágase tu voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo. Danos hoy nuestro pan cotidiano. Perdónanos nuestras deudas como también nosotros hemos perdonado a nuestros deudores. Y no nos dejes caer en tentación, sino líbranos del maligno. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The longer I'm around, the more I recognize that Real things aren't always the way you expect them to be. Las cosas reales no son siempre como una espera. I mean, when you come across something that's real, that's bona fide, it, it's not always what you conceived it to be. It's different than what you think. Las cosas reales son diferentes de lo que uno piensa. Let me see if I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, we've been told, and no doubt we've believed, that the sun, or rather the earth, orbits around the sun. The earth revolves around the sun. La tierra está en órbita alrededor del sol, se nos dice. Well, that's not the reality. I'm going to have to change mics. Sorry, this is really not working today. That's not the reality. The earth does not orbit around the sun. La tierra no está en órbita alrededor del sol. Scientists tell us the reality is that the earth actually orbits around our solar system's center of mass. Está en órbita alrededor del centro de masa del sistema solar. And depending on the balance of the planets, depending on where all the planets are located at any different time, at any different time, the center of the solar system's mass is sometimes inside the sun, and sometimes it's just outside the sun. 
the earth doesn't orbit around the sun. It's not what you expect, right? El centro de masa está dentro del sol a veces y a veces fuera de él. Here's another one. Another real thing that we've been taught to believe is that we all have, as human beings, five senses. Tenemos cinco sentidos. Scientists would say, no, that's not the reality. We may have as many uh, between nine and 20 senses as human beings. Tenemos de nueve a veinte sentidos, se dice, including a sense of balance, a sense of acceleration, and a sense of temperature, just to name a few. Tenemos un sentido de equilibrio, de aceleración, de temperatura. That's the reality. It's not what you and I would expect. That's the way real things are. You know, it's just not what quite what you think it would be, and yet that doesn't mean those things are less real. No quiere decir que estas cosas no sean reales. Now, I mention that to us today because today, as we wrap up this series on the Lord's Prayer, we are faced with a reality that is a bit different from what we might expect. Enfrentamos hoy una realidad en el Padre Nuestro que no esperábamos, and that Reality has to do with the ending of the Lord's Prayer. And here's the reality. The ending of the Lord's Prayer that we are accustomed to recite may not actually be a part of the original Lord's Prayer. In fact, it may not actually be a part of the Bible itself. El fin del Padre Nuestro que recitamos es posible que no sea parte de la Biblia. Look with me at Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Mateo 9, 13. Now, when we read this, I said I was reading the entire text of the Lord's Prayer from Scripture. And we did. And if you look at the end of verse 13, it says, Deliver us from the evil one. There's In my Bible, I can barely see it, but I'm thankful I have Tony's glasses here to help me. Oh, boy, that won't work. Anyway, uh, there's a little letter there. Hay una letrita al fin del versículo. And if you look at that little letter, in my Bible at least, there's a footnote, hay una notita, and that footnote says, some later manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Algunos manuscritos incluyen, porque tuyos son el reino y poder y la gloria para siempre. Amen. So what is that saying? ¿Qué significa? What that's saying is, is that those words that we are accustomed to reciting, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, those words were probably inserted into the text at a later date. Esa palabra es posible que fueran insertadas más tarde. How did that happen? Well, let me see if I can explain. We have today around six thousand existing ancient manuscripts of the New Testament of the Bible. The Bible is one of the best attested ancient books in terms of the copies that we have. We have thousands of copies of the New Testament. Tenemos miles de copias manuscritos antiguos del Nuevo Testamento. Each one of those ancient copies was hand copied from a previous copy. Cada fue copiado de una, una copia previa. Got that? Now, in the case of the Gospel of Matthew, the oldest hand copy manuscript of the Gospel of Matthew, the oldest ones we have are from around 100 years after Jesus' earthly ministry. Las copias más antiguas de Mateo son de 100 años después del ministerio de Jesús. But here's the thing. The original handwritten copy of Matthew was probably written around just 
40 years after Jesus' earthly ministry. La copia original fue escrita unos, unos 40 años después del ministerio de Jesús. That's not very long in ancient terms. But here's the thing. We don't have that copy. No tenemos esa copia. We don't have the original handwritten copy of Matthew. So how do we know what that copy said? ¿Cómo sabemos lo que dice esa copia original? We know it from the earliest copies. Because those earliest copies were closer in the chain of the hand copying that went on. Sabemos de las copias más antiguas. And if we look at the oldest copies of the gospel, according to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, we do not find the words, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. They're not there. Esas palabras no están en las copias más antiguas porque tuyos son el reino, el poder y la gloria para siempre. Amén. So somehow, it would appear, those words crept in at a later point upon the chain. So where did these words come from? We say them all the time. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. De donde vienen estas palabras. We find one clue in another ancient document that's not a part of the Bible. It's called the Didache, or the, the teaching of the 12 apostles. Encontramos otro documento, el Didache, la enseñanza de los 12 apóstoles. It was written between the year 100 and 200 A.D. Fue escrito entre 100 y 200 años después de Cristo. And this is supposedly a collection of sayings that were attributed to the apostles some of them may be accurate, others may not. Hay unos dichos atribuidos a los apóstoles, but in there, there's a lot of scripture quoted. This isn't part of the Bible, but there is scripture quoted in there, including we find a very ancient quote of the Lord's Prayer. Hay también la cita del Padre Nuestro. And in the Didache, we find at the end of the Lord's Prayer these words, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Porque tuyo son el reino, el poder y la gloria para siempre. Amen. So what does that mean? It means while these words may not have been a part of the original text of Matthew, they're very ancient words. They've been around a long, long time. Estas palabras son antiguas. Now, I've probably just blown your mind on all of this, or maybe I've bored you. I'm not sure which, but what does this mean then? What do we make of this? Here's what I make of it. Somehow, God, in his infinite wisdom, chose to entrust his holy, inspired, perfect word to imperfect people to get that word out. Dios encomendó su palabra perfecta a personas imperfectas. In fact, I will be upfront with this because there's a myth out there. There's all kinds of errors in the Bible. No, there's not errors in the Bible. But in the transmission of the Bible, real human beings were involved, and it wasn't always neat and clean. Sometimes words get reversed between one copy and another. Sometimes the letters get changed between one copy and another. And in a very few, just a handful of cases, there are actually words that were inserted. Hay errores, no. Hay palabras tercibercadas, hay palabras en otro orden, pero no errores. But you see, here's the thing. 
if it were all neat and clean, if somehow we assume that God just kind of dropped out of the sky his word and it fell on earth and it was all perfect and it was all neat and clean and it was all the way we think it should be, we would be suspicious because it wouldn't be real. See, this is real because real people were involved in this. Personas reales estaban con esto. I like what the, uh, the Christian author C.S. Lewis once said. He said, you know, the Christian faith has that strange twist about it, that strange quirk about it that real things have. La fe cristiana tiene una cosa rara que solo tienen las cosas reales. And I think that's what we need to understand here, that the Bible that we have today, we can be confident that 99.9% .9 of what we see here has been untouched, and the parts that are touched or seem to have these quirks around them really don't affect the entire core message of the Bible in any way. 99% de la Biblia no ha sido tocado de forma humana, pero las partes que donde hay cambios no afecta el mensaje of all the little changes in spelling and all the little uh, word order changes, and even in the insertions, no major Bible doctrine is in any way affected. In fact, if anything, those things that are inserted or have been determined to maybe not be a part of the original, they actually support the doctrines of the Bible. Esas cosas insertadas no afectan la doctrina de la Biblia y hasta apoyan la Biblia. And I think that's the case with what we're talking about today. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Así con esta palabra, porque tuyo son el reino, el poder y la gloria para siempre. Amen. You see, if we look at it, those words that have traditionally been a part of the ending of the Lord's Prayer, those words really serve as a kind of matching bookend to the beginning of the prayer. Son casi como un sujeto a libros emparejado con el comienzo. Let's see if I can explain. Yours is the kingdom matches perfectly what we find at the beginning. Your kingdom come. Tu es el reino va con venga tu reino. Yours is the power goes with your will be done. El poder va con hágase tu voluntad. Why? Because it's by God's power that God's will is done. La, la voluntad de Dios se hace por su poder. And then finally, yours is the glory forever. It matches perfectly that request at the beginning. Hallowed be your name. May your name be glorified. Tu es la gloria va con santificado sea tu nombre. They're like matching bookends. And so the Lord's Prayer, as we said way back when we began, the Lord's Prayer begins with the reality of God, with God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. Comenzamos con la realidad de Dios, su, su nombre, su reino, su voluntad. And then in the middle part of the Lord's Prayer, it's talking about our reality, our need for daily bread, our need for forgiveness and to forgive, our need uh, to be delivered from evil, después nuestras necesidades de pan diario, perdón, y, y para ser librados de mal. And then we come to the ending and where do we go again? The reality of God. His kingdom, his power, his glory, now and forevermore, amen. And we end with a punctuation marker, an exclamation point. son el reino, el poder y la gloria para siempre, amen. So here's what I see in this, this whole thing. Although this conclusion to the Lord's Prayer that we're talking about may not be original, 
it teaches us something. It's teaching us to keep the real end of the Lord's Prayer in mind. Nos enseña a tener el verdadero fin del Padre Nuestro Mente. What's the real end of the Lord's Prayer? Well, it may not be these words, but the real end, the real goal of the Lord's Prayer is God's way, God's will, and God's worship. El camino, la voluntad, y la adoración de Dios. That's the real end or the real focus of the Lord's Prayer. Later on in Matthew 6.33, Jesus repeats that to us when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Busquen primer reino de Dios y, y su justicia y todas estas cosas le serán añadidas. What are we to have as the true end, the true goal, the true focus of life? Seeking God. Seeking the reality of his kingdom, his rule. Seeking his right will, his right way, his right worship. Buscar a Dios, su reino, su, su recta voluntad, su recto camino, su adoración recta. That's what we're to seek. And, and Jesus says, if you seek that first, if that's the real end, that's the real focus, that's what you're after is to know the reality of God and all that he wants for you in your life. All the other things that you're seeking, God will put them in the order that they belong in. And the blessings will be a part of that. And the things that aren't blessings, he's not going to put in there. Las otras cosas serán añadidas. So, where do we find this then? Where do we find the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Donde encontramos el reino de Dios y su justicia? Where do we find God's kingdom and God's power and God's glory forever? Where do we find God's name hallowed? Where do we find God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven? We find God's kingdom and his righteousness displayed and fulfilled in the very person who's teaching us how to pray. That's all wrapped up in Jesus. Todo eso se encuentra en Jesús. Jesus is the real end of the Lord's Prayer. He is our daily bread. He is our forgiveness. He is our deliverance from evil. Él es nuestro pan diario, nuestra liberación del mal, nuestro perdón. He is the one who teaches us to pray, but then he is the one who also gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to pray. To even pray, as Romans says, when we don't have the words, we can't even remember how to pray. He allows us to pray with groans and sighs and, oh, God, help me. He gives us the prayer, and he gives us the power to pray. Por su espíritu nos enseña a orar hasta con gemidos, dice Romanos. And here's the thing. The Bible promises that as we pray the Lord's Prayer, the one we're praying about, the real end in mind, Jesus, he is promising to come back and fulfill all that we're praying for. Él promete cumplir con todo lo que oramos. Would you look at me at the very end of the book? We get to peek at the end of the story this morning. Revelation chapter 2, verse 13. Apocalipsis 12, uh, 22, 12. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. Miren que vengo pronto, tengo conmigo, traigo conmigo mi recompensa. 
And then in verse 13, he says something interesting. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Yo soy el Alpha y la Omega, el primero, el último, el principio, el fin. So let's see if we can get the picture here. In the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches, God the Father is like at the bookends, right? God's kingdom and power and all of that are at the bookends of the Lord's Prayer. The reality of God's name, the reality of God's kingdom, the reality of God's way. Dios el Padre es como en los sujeta libros del Padre nuestro, al comienzo y al fin. God the Father is at the bookends of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is at the bookends of the Father's promises to us. Jesús está en los sujeta libros de las promesas del Padre. Every promise God makes, Jesus is the beginning of that promise. He's the end of that promise. He's the fulfillment of it. And he's everything in between. Jesús es el comienzo y fin de la promesa de Dios y todo en medio. Let's go to another scripture that I think bears this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Tony gave us a great insight into that book earlier on. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. And here's what it says. It says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Todas las promesas que ha hecho Dios son sí en Cristo. And so through him, through Christ, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Por medio de Cristo respondemos amen para la gloria de Dios. Jesus is the beginning of God's promises from the day he said, let there be light to the very end. When Jesus comes back, he's everything in the middle. And Jesus is God's yes to every single purpose and promise God's made. Jesús es garantía todas promesas. And that's why it says here we say amen. That's why at the end of the prayer we say amen. Por eso decimos amen. You thought that when you said amen, when you say amen at the end of your prayer, you're saying, okay, God, I'm done praying now. We'll check with you later. That's not what you're saying. Cuando dices amen, no quiere decir, ah, ya concluyo más tarde, Dios. No. When we say amen, it's an expression of faith. We're saying, yes, this is so. This is certain. This is real. Esto es real. Esto es cierto y verdad. So again, the traditional ending of the Lord's Prayer, the traditional conclusion that we pray, although it may not be a part of the original prayer that Jesus gave us, it teaches us, it helps us to keep the real end in mind. Nos enseña esa palabra a tener el verdadero fin en mente. This prayer is all about God's way, God's will, God's worship, and all of that is wrapped up in Jesus. Se trata del camino de Dios, la voluntad de Dios, la, la adoración de Dios, y está en Jesús. And in that sense, I'm going to argue those words we say at the end of the Lord's Prayer, those words are biblical even if they're not in the Bible. Son palabras bíblicas aunque no sean parte de la Biblia. So again, we're coming full circle to something here that I think is important to look at. And that is that through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is training us. He's teaching us 
how to pray out of a God-centered focus. Es un enfocado, un enfoque en Dios. And that's something we need help with because when we come to prayer, as I said weeks ago, we usually come to prayer with me first. Hi, God, I need, I want, please do, make it quick, right? That's not the Lord's Prayer. He's saying, focus on God. Focus on God's reality. Get caught up in God's rule. Get caught up in God's will. Get caught up in the worship of God. Que tenemos que ser arrebatados a, a, a la realidad de Dios. Make God your reality. Your whole universe. Revolve around him. He's the center of your mass for your spiritual life. Que estés en órbita alrededor de Dios. So it's teaching us not only to pray that way, but then... How do I live that way? How do I live a life that's not just for me and mine, where God is just an accessory to my life? You know, like I've got my clothes and I've got my, I've got my phone and its accessories and I've got my car and its accessories and God's just an accessory to my thing. No, how do we live with God at the center? Because if here's the teaching of Scripture. You won't know who you are. You will not know what your life is all about. You will not know your identity or purpose without knowing who God is. Want to get to know yourself? Get to know God first. Para conocerte tu, tu propósito, tu identidad, conozcan, que conozcan a Dios. So the simple thing from the end of the Lord's Prayer is this. Keep the real end in mind. God's name, God's rule, God's will, God's power, God's glory. Everything else will fall into place. Que mantengamos el, el fin en mente, el verdadero fin de la gloria, la realidad de Dios. So the challenge and the invitation I want to leave you as we wrap up this series on the Lord's Prayer is to pray the Lord's Prayer often and with thoughtfulness. Make it your model for prayer. Que oren así muy a menudo, con mucha meditación. Meditate on this. This has become, over the last few months, a meditation for me to think through as I pray. And pray it also with the faith-filled expectation that God is and will answer every single one of these petitions. They're all being answered. They're all going to be answered. Y Dios contestará todas estas peticiones. Keep the real end in mind. It's about seeking God the Father through Jesus the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Es buscar a Dios el Padre en Jesús el Hijo en el poder del Espíritu Santo. So what I'd like to do as we wrap up is invite you to stand. Vamos a ponernos de pie. What we're going to do as we've done this series throughout read a couple of questions and answers from this resource called the Catechism, this old Sunday school curriculum, about 450 years old. Vamos a leer preguntas de catecismo, and it's all about this part of the prayer. So let's read the question and the answer. We'll read in both languages, and again, there's two of them, so we'll go through it one by one. Let's read. Vamos a leer. What does the conclusion to this prayer mean? For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever means 
We have made all these petitions of you because as our all-powerful king, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because your holy name and not we ourselves should receive all the praise forever. En español, ¿qué significa la conclusión a esta oración? Porque tuyos son el reino y el poder y la gloria para siempre significa te hemos hecho todas estas peticiones porque tú, como nuestro rey todopoderoso, eres dispuesto y capaz de darnos todo lo que es bueno. Y porque tu santo nombre y no el de nosotros debe recibir toda alabanza por siempre. And the next question in English. What does that little word amen express? Amen means this shall truly and surely be. It is even more sure that God listens to my prayer than that I really desire what I pray for. En español, ¿qué expresa esa pequeña palabra amén? Amén significa esto será verdad y seguramente será. Es más seguro que Dios escuche mi oración que yo desee lo que le pido. Let's pray together in the language of your choice, the Lord's Prayer, and pray it from our hearts. Vamos a orar del corazón del Padre Nuestro. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.